Blog Talk Radio. Take a lickin'. <laughs> there is someone waiting who will hurry up and rescue you. Just call for Super Chicken. Welcome to the Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer Radio Show, brought to you by Tractor Supply, where we give away more chicken coops and chicken-related prizes than anyone else on the planet. We are often imitated, but never duplicated. My name is Andy Schneider, but most know me as the Chicken Whisperer, author of The Chicken Whisperer's Guide to Keeping Chickens, national spokesperson for the USDA Biosecurity for Birds program, and editor-in-chief of Chicken Whisperer magazine. Today is Monday, April 28th, and I would like to thank all of you for tuning in this afternoon on Blog Talk Radio. This is a live radio show that is broadcast around the world. This radio show is all about keeping backyard poultry, show poultry, and living a self-sufficient lifestyle. Each week, I welcome experts in their field to share their knowledge about different topics, including backyard poultry, show poultry, heritage poultry, gardening, cooking, and living a self-sufficient lifestyle. Be sure to visit our website, chickenwhisperer.com, where you can follow us on Twitter, become a fan on Facebook, and subscribe to the free digital edition of Chicken Whisperer magazine. Once again, I would like to thank all of you for tuning in to Backyard Poultry, with the Chicken Whisper, brought to you by Tractor Supply. You've just entered a dimension of dirty water, a dimension of poop-filled water, a dimension of stagnant water. You've crossed into the dirty waterer zone. But up ahead is your signpost to cleaner water, the Bright Tap Chicken Waterer. The Bright Tap Waterer is fully covered. Chickens drink from special valves, so dirt and droppings can't get into the water. Chickens get sparkling clean water. You get less work. No poop-filled water pans for you to touch or wash out. Bright Tap, clean water made simple. Visit chickenwaterer.com to learn more. That's chickenwaterer.com. Established in 1957, GQF has become the name to trust when it comes to quality products and superior customer service. GQF offers a wide range of poultry products, including incubators, brooders, feeders, waters, and much, much more. Give them a call at 912-236-0651 or visit them online at gqfradio.com. That's gqfradio.com. Mount Healthy Hatcheries has been a hatching tradition for over 80 years. Home of the healthiest chicks, Mount Healthy Hatcheries offers a wide selection of bantams, turkeys, guineas, ducks, 
pheasants, and of course, meat birds and layers. Order online at mounthealthy.com. That's mthealthy.com. Or give them a call at 1-800-451-5603. Don't forget to ask about their free bonus chicks offer. Mount Healthy Hatcheries, home of the healthiest chicks. Introducing the Chicken Fountain, a new way to water your flock. The Chicken Fountain will change your life and keep your chickens healthier by providing clean, fresh water every time. No more daily cleaning of dirty chicken waterers. This semi-sealed system keeps every drop of water fresh and clean. Proudly made in the USA, the Chicken Fountain will provide your flock with fresh, clean water for years to come. To order your Chicken Fountain, visit ChickenFountain.com. That's ChickenFountain.com. Do you provide a heat source for your backyard chickens in the winter? In most cases, it's not necessary. But if you choose to provide a heat source for your backyard chickens, it's imperative to use a safe and effective heat source, and the only one I recommend is the Sweeter Heater. The Sweeter Heater is a safe, completely sealed, washable, non-breakable, energy-efficient, long-lasting and reliable specific area heater that comes with a three-year warranty. Ditch the dangerous heat lamp this season and invest in the only heater I recommend, the Sweeter Heater. Purchase the Sweeter Heater online at SweeterHeater.com. That's SweeterHeater.com. And the mighty bird against prejudice continues his fight for law and order. So when you hear that cry in the sky, you'll know it's Super Chicken. Hi, I'm country music artist Nathan Osmond, and you're listening to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. Alrighty, thank you very much for staying with us today on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. I apologize for that a little longer commercial break here at the beginning of the show, but I'm dealing out and hashing out some uh, technical issues we had. Uh, it's the first time we've been on air since we've been back to the homestead, and we had a little connectivity issues here. So uh, I think we've got all the kinks worked out, at least I hope we have. And so uh, I know we've got Peter Brown, the chicken doctor, in queue, so that's a good thing. And we're going to be answering a lot of questions that have been posted on our Facebook page uh, yesterday, last night, yesterday evening. I posted that Peter will be joining us today, and that he'll be answering questions that are posted on our Facebook page. So we have more than enough questions uh, that we have posted, and so uh, we're going to bring Peter on right now. Let's go ahead and give him a good chicken whisperer welcome. All righty, Peter, how are you doing? Can you hear me okay? Yep, I can hear you. No problem. All righty, good. You're coming in loud and clear as well, so that is obviously a good thing. Uh, welcome back. Uh, Peter joins us every single Monday here on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. He's founder of FirstStateVetSupply.com and has literally decades uh, of experience both in the commercial industry and in the hobby farm uh, arena. So we, uh, we're very proud and uh, honored to have him welcome, uh, welcome him every single Monday here on this radio show. So we've got plenty of questions. So Peter, since we are on, uh, we've 
I had about a 30-minute delay due to the technical issues. We'll just go ahead and get started. No, I don't need any host chat. No one needs to know what's going on here at the homestead and all that kind of stuff. They want to know about their chickens and their chickens' health. So I've got Facebook pulled up. Okay. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and scroll down here, and we'll just start with question number one. And, folks, if you're listening, what I'm going to do, since I know we have more questions than we have time, it always ends up being like that, um, I'm going to post this on Facebook later as well. Um, everybody who posted a question last night, if uh, I like your question, if I go and like it, then it was addressed and uh, uh, during the show today because everybody wants to know and was my question answered. So I'll post that later. If, if I went and liked your question, then we addressed it uh, on the show today. So you can go back and listen to the archived. All shows are archived for your listening pleasure. So uh, here's, a, here's a common question we get on occasion. This comes to us from Mary. We have a scissor beak chick, and she seems to be holding her own the best she can with the rest of our chicks, but she does feel skinny. Uh, can I take her out of the pan, Darren, to give her a slurry uh, slash chicken starter yogurt water and then put her back in to make sure she gets tender, loving care but also doesn't miss the companionship uh, of the other chicks? And uh, thanks for any help you can uh, have. Uh, regarding a uh, scissor beak um, or cross beak, uh, she's in this, and this is a chick. So she's just curious uh, regarding that. Mary, I, you know, you obviously don't want to do that for the next 15 years if she lives that lives that long. Every single day, take her out, mix her the slurry and things like that. But I mean, you know, that that would be a, a golly, what what a chore. Uh, <laughs> I've had some scissor beak uh, chicks in the past. We did kind of pamper them for a little while um, and, and got to where they could uh, kind of survive on their own, but. None of them lasted really a long time. Um, we, we even added different types of feeders so they could scoop the food versus kind of individually picking it up with their beak. We filed the beak. We did all kinds of different things, but it just wasn't in the cards for the two that we've tried to, uh, to raise in the past. So I'm sure Peter's got some suggestions on this. Yeah, I think that um, taking her out <coughs> and, uh, and feeding her, the only problem with, with doing that is the uh, uh, part of it, uh, what you were alluding to yourself was the fact that um, um, doing it, it's not just once a day. Once a day is insufficient, and that may be why uh, she's, uh, besides being a scissor beak, uh, why she's a little bit on the thin side, because uh, most food that a bird consumes will pass through the digestive system in, uh, in roughly three hours, give or take. Uh, the more roughage that's in the food, grasses and that kind of stuff, um, more fiber, uh, it can take considerably longer. That being said, um, let's assume that it isn't a real high-fiber diet, and uh, uh, after about three to four hours, the bird's going to be hungry again. And when they're hungry, then they end up start taking uh, whatever nutrients they need to uh, survive uh, out of their body. So that's probably why <clears throat> she's uh, a little bit on the uh, light side. Uh, <clears throat> As far as the beak is concerned, depending on how bad the beak is, uh, we've been through this a number of, of times uh, on past shows, um, I would uh, gen gently try to um, uh, reshape the beak uh, by filing and uh, cauterizing with a, um, uh, I like to use a, one of these little wood-burning tools because <clears throat> they're, they're easy to handle and it's got a nice little point on it. It's got some flat sides on it and that kind of thing. And you can just <clears throat> file it down a little bit at a time, uh, or clip some off, whichever is, is more convenient depending on how bad it is, and just redirect that beak. <clears throat> uh, when you cauterize it, 
you don't want to burn it so bad um, uh, that it ends up uh, with a bubble on that side. But if you cauterize it and you continue to do it um, uh, over a period of time, you can reshape the beak as best that you can. And I would suggest doing that and then trying to allow the bird to eat on its own. Because uh, as you alluded to, Andy, they are, you're going to do this for the next 14 years because your luck's like mine that chicken it out with you. And, you know, it's just the way it would, way it would work. Uh, that's the way my luck usually runs. So uh, uh, at any rate, um, that's what I would do. I'd reshape the beak by filing and, and clipping and cauterizing and forcing the beak to go straight out forward as best you can. Uh, you may never get it uh, completely uh, completely corrected, but you can certainly uh, reshape it uh, and make it easier for the bird to, to, uh, to eat. Uh, sometimes, <clears throat> depending on, on where, you might be able to, depending on what's causing it, if it's a, if it's a, uh, a cartilage bone deformity, you're not going to be able to, uh, to straighten it out by this other method, but you could try to uh, gently massage <clears throat> the joint where the uh, upper and lower uh, mandible or the upper and lower beak come together and see if you can't put pressure on on there and um, possibly uh, loosen up the, uh, the tendon and stuff there. Uh, that's probably more of a long shot, but uh, I think that the <coughs> reshaping um, um, and uh, clipping and filing uh, to reshape that beak is probably going to be the best bet. As far as taking the bird out and feeding soft feeds um, <coughs> and that kind of thing, it's perfectly fine. Put her back in. Uh, don't keep her out for extended periods of time or overnight, that kind of thing, so she loses her pecking order. Uh, that only make things worse for her, but uh, it is doable either way, and uh, the option would, you know, obviously be up to the owner. Okay, very good information. Yeah, we've had a few in the past, and and it just uh, wasn't in the cards. We did everything we could, and they just they just never put on the weight. Um, yeah. And we've got all, all kinds of things that you listed, and it was just uh, it wasn't wasn't in the cards for them. So uh, also, you need to, you know, it may not do a bit of good, but um, obviously. If you know where that chick came from, there is a bad gene uh, DNA somewhere in the path here. And uh, if I knew well, where I got unlikely, that chick, yeah. I, I would contact them and say, look, I don't know if you're aware of this. I got this, which, you know, you, you may want to, uh, you know. And then if enough people call them, then they'll realize that they've got this, and they may use different breeder stock if they really care about it, if they're, if, you know. So especially if they, if they show chickens, or they at least let them know they've got this gene for their, uh, their offspring, so uh, it may be uh, a good idea to contact where you got them and let them know. Okay, let's see what we have here. We've talked about this, not a whole lot, but we have in the past. Gina wants to know about, uh, she says, bleep vent. I don't know what was wrong with her. Found out on Facebook. She's had it a long time, maybe six months or more. What should I do? Will she be okay? Can it kill her? So are we talking about vent bleep? Yes. Okay, you drifted in and out on me on that one. Okay. Uh, Ventcleat, it's hard to say uh, if this is a true case of, of Ventcleat. So a little bit of investigative work. Um, a couple of things uh, would need to be known. The age of the bird, okay, uh, whether or not the bird is in production, laying eggs, not laying eggs, uh, that type of thing. Uh, and the reason for that is that um, this could possibly be a oviduct infection, or what we call salpingitis. Uh, it could be a problem with the kidneys. Um, if the bird was an internal layer at all and has a few uh, eggs laying around that are, are calcified in the body cavity, uh, they can put pressure on the kidneys and um, you get this 
uh, vent gleat looking material, the smelly uh, white uh, urates coming out uh, on a regular basis and soiling the tail feathers uh, and that kind of thing. Uh, true vent gleat, a fungal infection, uh, I would look at um, uh, getting some amoxicillin and uh, because it's uh, usually a mixture of, of uh, bacteria and, uh, and, the, and the fungus. Uh, and uh, I would do that and the Otomax, Otomax uh, on a gloved finger, uh, put the Otomax on it and put that directly inside of the, of the uh, vent opening itself. Uh, but some of the other questions have to be answered first. Um, for instance, the reason we want to know the age of the bird is birds that are uh, older who have produced large uh, eggs or abnormally large eggs have a tendency to be more uh, prone to uh, salpingitis. And salpingitis, uh, again, is an infection of the oviduct caused by a lack of tone of the muscle, of the sphincter muscle that controls the opening to the oviduct. So if you look at the, uh, the, uh, the vent itself, the vent is the opening, the cloaca is the chamber where the urine, the feces, and the egg all come out into what's called a common urogenital duct. Uh, and cloaca, I believe in, in, uh, in Greek, stands for cesspool, and it, that pretty much sums up where we're at with that. But when a bird defecates and that, and that sphincter muscle is not tightly closed, over time, uh, some of those, uh, uh, some of the bacteria from the droppings uh, will back up into that oviduct and cause a salpingitis oviduct infection. So you have to differentiate between the two. They can live with both for, for quite some time. I, I don't see vent gleat per se as being a, um, uh, as a, a life-threatening uh, uh, condition. More so, uh, you would probably see a, a, a life-threatening condition eventually with the salpingitis if it should make its way all the way up uh, through the uh, oviduct uh, and then into the body cavity. So a couple of things to address uh, there, probably some amoxicillin, depending on the size of the bird. Uh, probably look at uh, minimum 250 milligrams once or twice a day. Uh, the Otomax uh, put directly into the vent of the gloved finger uh, once or twice a day at least. And uh, most of that you're going to keep up for 10 to 14 days, see where you're at. Uh, you might try... Uh, if, it, if it is vent gleat, keeping it clean, you might try copper sulfate, acidified copper sulfate in the drinking water. That may help, a quarter teaspoon per gallon of water. Um, something else that might help on a more natural basis would be to use the oil of oregano. Um, we've had uh, tremendous success with that particular product. Uh, it goes in the drinking water, easy to do, uh, good for the whole flock. You don't have to segregate anybody out um, and see if any of those particular things uh, you know, take care of. Sometimes there isn't any real answer and uh, that you can uh, generally see, uh, but these are usually the remedies that, uh, that we've used here to be pretty much successful with uh, vent gleat and salpingitis. Okay, very good information. Hopefully that will help uh, Gina, and we appreciate you uh, posting your question, Gina. Let's see what we have here. Um, okay. Sarah has a question, uh, possibly about pasty butt. She says, one of my chicks had pasty butt repeatedly. We cleaned every day. Now it looks like her butt is swollen from the inside. Still might be a little plugged up, but nothing we can clean off from the outside. Is there anything we can do for it, the ointment or something to put on it? She's about three weeks old. Okay. 
Pasty butt generally is caused by birds that were, were killed uh, after the hatching process, and um, uh, it allows bacteria uh, that doesn't belong in specific parts of the, of the intestine to, uh, to make their way uh, uh, to areas of the intestine where they don't belong. Uh, chicks are born with a sterile gut to start with, uh, as a general rule. Um, so this, this, this could be coming from a chick that was hatched from a floor egg, uh, where the egg was uh, somewhat contaminated prior to, uh, or uh, easily contaminated uh, afterward or during the handling process. Um, so if I had a problem with a, with a bird like this, uh, if, there, if there's actual swelling, uh, we would look at the Odomax because it has a, uh, um, uh, an anti-inflammatory in it. Uh, so we may use the, the Odomax to try to control something like that. Um, but as far as the bird being stopped up, um, I would look at, you know, what the bird is eating from a standpoint of uh, if the crop is clearing out, then the food has to be going somewhere. Um, you know, it's it's not going into the body cavity, so it's got to be coming out the back end for for the most part. Uh, one of the ways you can you can uh, uh, try to do this it works better with with uh, real real young chicks, but three weeks old not too bad. You might just gently squeeze the bird's uh, sides, uh, grab it from the top, and just gently squeeze the side and see if you can force it to defecate. Um, that's readily done with, uh, with with baby chicks and and, and so on. So uh, you might try that. Um, oil of oregano in the water, copper sulfate in the water, uh, something to change the pH of the gut to see if you can make uh, whatever may be in there move out. Um, but there isn't, there isn't a whole lot other than that that you can do. The, the swelling in the back end might be just from uh, the irritation, these urates uh, and, and stuff that can be very uh, harsh on those soft uh, tissues uh, of the opening of the, of the uh, cloaca and the vent. Um, so I would try that, and if she is still having trouble, she can you know, always get a hold of me, and we can you know, try another, uh, another path uh, with that. But uh, uh, she can try an antibiotic in, in the water, but I would probably hold off on doing that uh, and go for you know, either copper sulfate or the oil of oregano, one of those two, and uh, possibly the, uh, the Odomax uh, put directly into the vent to con try to control the swelling. Okay, very, very good. We talk about um, pasty butt a lot when we're on the road and get people started and things they got to check for on a daily basis when they're getting their baby chick. So, yeah. And uh, normally they'll kind of grow out of that. So um, very good information, too, about what causes that uh, with the cooling process after they've hatched. Very interesting. Yeah, and it's, you know, lots of times, you know, it can be caused by, uh, you know, E. coli, salmonella, all those things, uh, um, you know, I'm not saying that, that this bird has that, but these are some of the things that, that do it. But we generally do see it a lot uh, in birds after they're hatched, uh, where with improper brood temperature or they were shipped uh, and they get cold. Um, another one, another reason for it is um, the um, contaminated egg and you don't get the total absorption of the uh, yolk sac. Okay, which which leaves the intestine uh, open as well. So there, there's a number of, of different things that that go into, um, uh, you know, you, you can't always put your finger on one thing and say, aha, that's it. But there's a whole slew of things that go into it. Uh, for instance, uh, birds that are hatched early, um, 
and yes, they do hatch early. You just go on Facebook and you'll see people talk about it all the time. You know, they, yeah. oh, you know, uh, you know, my my, ha- my bird is starting to hatch. One's out, twelve to go. You know, and over the course of an entire day and, and then some, you'll get. You know, oh, now I've got two. Now I've got three. Now I've got four. Well, the first one to come out, if that bird was actually being shipped, to use a scenario, uh, uh, by the time that bird uh, ends up being shipped, uh, if the others haven't hatched out over 24 hours or it takes that, mu- that much longer for everybody else to hatch out, that bird's not got a 72-hour window of opportunity to get to food and right. water. <laughs> it's got a 48-hour and the same thing goes for in a hatchery. Uh, you know, it isn't a magic wand thing just because a hatchery may be a big, huge place and they, they set all the eggs at the same time. It has to do with uh, how the eggs were handled prior to getting to the hatchery, how they were held, what temperature, what humidity, how old the eggs are, uh, how old the breeding stock is, all of these different scenarios as to how long uh, it's going to take for, for a, uh, uh, an egg to, ha- to hatch out. And then once they do, they're on the clock. You know, and, and the, the closer they get to that 72-hour thing, the, the tougher it is to keep them going. That's why a lot of them die, uh, you know, shortly after they get where they're going. Uh, uh, but all of those scenarios play into the pasty butt type thing. So it isn't just any one particular thing. It's usually a combination of things. Okay, awesome. Let's see here. Um, okay, now whole lot of information here, but uh, Fern has a, a comment, kind of question, and does some things she's done. Uh, there is no vet here for chickens. I've got watery poop, but not with the whole flock. They seem healthy otherwise. Started after my yard flooded, they drank from puddles despite fresh water daily. Now I'm giving garlic in the water. Previously, I've given apple cider vinegar, but that didn't prevent anything. I have ordered a medication for coccidiosis just in case. Empty suggestions. So the only symptom we've got here is watery poop. And she doesn't say if it's one bird or two. She just says it's not with the whole flock. Mm -hmm. And um, that's what we've got, Peter. Well, um, she didn't mention either whether with the whole flock she was, you know, eating any of the eggs. So we'll go on the assumption that they do, um, and um, so that I, if if, they, if they're going with the uh, with eating the eggs from this particular flock at any given time, uh, then we want to stay more on the all natural side. So I, I would uh, either go with some copper sulfate, again, quarter teaspoon in a gallon of water, and you run it out three or four days, and if it isn't doing anything, you yank it out of the water and try something else. Uh, uh, certainly, the oil of oregano. Uh, we've been uh, very, uh, very successful with with that particular product, um, and that's an all-natural product. Again, that's not going to bother them uh, one bit as far as, um, uh, and it has you know anti-bacterial uh, properties as well, anti-coccidial properties. Um, so, you know, that would take the place of everything else. She didn't mention what the medication was that she bought for coccidiosis, so I'm going to assume. It was either Cora or Ampril, um, and uh, this doesn't appear to me, from what she's saying, to be a case of coccidiosis. Although uh, coccidiosis could be part of the of the problem, um, but you know, birds are what they what they eat. Uh, the, the droppings, uh, uh, the, the more water they drink, the looser the dropping, no matter what they're eating. Um, 
the tendency to drink out of a dirty water puddle versus clean water. Um, it's a phenomenon that I've looked at nine ways from Sunday, and the only thing that I can come up with is that um, to some degree it must be uh, a natural instinct to drink from uh, that kind of water uh, to get possibly minerals. That's my uh, my thinking of it, because they, they do it here too. If there's any kind of a, of a rain, when we've had our fair share here lately, and they get a puddle, they seem to go right to it, and we have waterers everywhere with fresh water in it. So, um, you know, they just have a tendency to, to go to those things. Okay. It's, and it's not always good for them, you know. It, 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 there's bacteria in the soil uh, everywhere you live, and uh, it's easy to pick up something. So <clears throat> I would look at the oil of oregano, the copper sulfate, uh, acidified copper sulfate. And what the acidified copper sulfate is going to do is to dramatically change the pH of the gut, make it tough for things to live there that don't belong there. So if there is something going on, uh, it could possibly change the pH of the gut sufficiently to stop it. Okay, um, I would certainly urge uh, folks to uh, consider, um, especially the one go back to the one with the pasty butt for just a moment too. Um, a, a probiotic uh, goes a long way when you are hatching out chicks and putting them into a brooder. Um, the research is overwhelming. Um, because the gut is sterile, you would benefit dramatically, and your birds will benefit dramatically by adding a probiotic to that drinking water to populate the gut with uh, gut-friendly bacteria. Because the situation uh, is, is this, <clears throat> bad bacteria grow faster than good bacteria. So if the birds or the chicks are exposed to um, any kind of uh, bad bacteria, they are going to populate that intestine before you, before you know it. And uh, you're, you know, you're going to have problems, you're going to have mortality, morbidity. Uh, morbidity is birds just hang around and look like they're going to die and maybe tomorrow's mortality. So uh, populating the intestine with uh, good uh, gut-friendly bacteria to me is, is paramount uh, when birds are, are, or chicks are first born. While they look like they're wholly formed on the outside, it can take anywhere from 10 days to 14 days for the, the intestine to finish growing and mature. Um, and, and that's chick mature. It's not adult mature, so it's still an immature uh, intestine, but it is at least completed uh, and, and developed. So you would be very, very wise and very, very smart to add a probiotic to the drinking water uh, in that situation. And if, uh, if once, once she, uh, certainly once she cleans it up, the same thing with the vent cleat. Once you clean it up, go to the probiotic, which, again, uh, does a couple of things. It, uh, pro it, uh, pro the, the probiotic will produce acid change the pH of the gut, make it tough for the bad guys to live there, and the lactobacillus acidophilus will uh, compete for space on the gut wall, attach itself, and make it tough for the, good guy, the bad guys to set up shop. So you have a two-pronged approach there, but the research is just overwhelming, uh, and we've done shows on it. We've talked about it uh, numerous uh, uh, times. Right. So, um, you know, I would... I would certainly look at those those things. The only other option, if if you can't clean up, um, uh, I would examine this. Going back to this bird now with the uh, loose droppings, the the watery poop, the one that drank out of the puddle. I would um, certainly take the dropping and and look at it and look at it real close. You can get a uh, a magnifying glass to look at it, see if there's anything you know running around in it that you can see with a a, a, a magnifying glass. Uh, if you had a 100-power microscope, you could look for coccidia, uh, worm eggs, uh, that kind of thing. Um, I really don't think it's a worm situation. 
Um, most of the time, uh, even though they can cause watery droppings, you generally end up seeing the eggs or worms themselves uh, in the uh, in the dropping itself. Um, so I, I would uh, the next step if the uh, if you're, they're not interested in the copper sulfate or the oil of oregano, the next step would be uh, to go to an antibiotic that works uh, in the gut basically, and I would look at um, neomycin, BMD, bastrace, and uh, combination teaspoon of each and a gallon of water for seven days. And if that does the trick, then come back immediately behind it with your probiotic, and it should solve the problem and keep it from coming back. Yeah, we do talk about probiotics a lot. <laughs> yep, yep. Worth their weight in gold. More and more research every day showing that uh, that probiotics are, are the way to go. And, and uh, we're going to see, and we already are seeing, even here where, where I live, which is, uh, as most people who listen to the show uh, know, that I'm in a heavy broiler area here. And uh, there, uh, there are uh, companies here now that are that are moving and have moved away from the antibiotics, uh, growing uh, birds here for Panera Bread, for uh, um, was it uh, Whole Foods, um, Trader Joe's, uh, a couple of other operations, and you're going to see more and more of that. Purdue Farms is uh, taking a plant uh, and a, and a, uh, up in Pennsylvania and uh, shutting it down and renovating it, and that's going to be only uh, more or less organic chicken going through there. So the movement is, a, is afoot, and the antibiotics uh, uh, and their use uh, in these uh, poultry over the long haul, it's going to take a lot of time for it to uh, move completely out, but for the most part, you're going to see the movement is afoot, and it's, it's making its way through the industry, and uh, of course, you'll pay more money when you go to the store, no question. So, Absolutely. Yep. All righty, Eve, a, a long-time listener and fan, has got a question here. Um, mm-hmm. We are just getting into our spring up here, which often can mean for us wild temperature swings and a lot of cold and wet, which can lead to respiratory issues in everybody, including poultry. What medications do you recommend I have on hand just in case? Um as you well know, I don't recommend people to have a whole lot of stuff hanging around. Um, <clears throat> if, if I were to um, pick one, I would pick the concentrated Oxytet, 280-gram um, bag, uh, 102.4 grams of Oxytetracycline in the bag, very powerful in its own right, uh, very inexpensive, uh, and uh, the material, at least, that we have here on hand now has got a 2017 expiration date on it. So. Uh, it's hot off the press. It's, uh, we go through a lot of it here. Uh, you know, it's, it's always a fresh material. So if I was going to do anything, I would keep a bag or two of that on hand uh, because uh, uh, of the concentration of it um, and the cost and, uh, and the expiration date. Because everything else is, you know, all, almost all the medications, uh, especially antibiotic-wise, they're all dated and they're all over the place. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, and, um, you, you know, the injectables, um, uh there's too much trouble to give to a, 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 a birds on a flock basis. If you've got a, a few birds that have got the sneezies or something like that and you want to use an injectable, that's fine. But to have a flock of you know, 20, 30, 40 birds and go around and give one or two shots a day for five to seven days, I don't know about anybody else, but I'm not up for doing it. And, uh, and I think your birds end up like a pincushion you know, after a while, too. So uh, when they see you coming with the needle, they run. So... Uh, but the water is certainly the way to do it, and uh, I, I would keep something like that on hand. Uh, inexpensive, um, we have it on the website, 1050 a bag. Um, 
like I said, it's 280 grams in the bag, and, and the majority of it is is uh, um, is actually antibiotic. It's basically what it is. Is it's it's the the active ingredient is the same as what was in the old teramycin, and we've been down this road explaining that. Uh, the old teramycin was uh, oxytetracycline, and the biggest problem with it was they gave you a big bag, but they put any oxytetracycline in it to speak of. Um, for instance, uh, a, a 6.4-ounce bag with 181.4 grams, but you only had 10 grams of oxytetracycline in that bag. So when you buy a bag of oxytet concentrate, you're buying the equivalent of 10 bags of the old uh, teramycin getting 102.4 grams of oxytetracycline for 1050, where before, uh, I think when last before it was taken off the market, the teramycin was about 750 for uh, um, for a 6.4-ounce uh, bag. Same thing with duramycin. That's the problem with duramycin. You go to track supply, you buy duramycin. problem with it, it's another one. It's a straight tetracycline, but same thing. It's 6.4-ounce bag. It's only 10 grams of tetracycline in it. So you take a, you know, most people don't know how to use it until you take a teaspoon of it and you put it in a gallon of water and the birds don't get any better, and they're not. The concentration isn't high enough. It's not necessarily the medication itself. It's the concentration of it. It's like your doctor telling you to take a 250-milligram capsule twice a day and you only take it once a day, and you say, well, this stuff isn't doing any good. Well, we, you know, are not getting enough of it in your system, see. So, um, but that, that's what I would do. I, I think that's the, the perfect answer for it because anything else is expensive. You start getting into the gallomycin, you start, even though it has a long date on it, you're still looking at uh, more than twice the money of the Oxytet, uh, the LS50, three times as much money, um, you, know, uh, you know, on a water-soluble basis anyway. Good information. Very good. And we've talked about that before, but it's always a good reminder for folks about oh, yeah. the yeah. and the medication. So awesome and just valuable information for our listeners. Okay, Charlie has a question. Um, not a whole lot of information with this one, so uh, we can do our best. I have one Rhode Island red chick. I don't have eight. Hang on, hang on. I have one Rhode Island red chick. She spins around in circles all the time. Would really like to know if it's something to be concerned with. Well, to go on the road and make some money with a dancing chicken, I guess. <laughs> but um yeah. <laughs> I guess I guess it depends on um how often this happens um and how violent the spinning is. Um you know, if she just seems to uh, uh it could be an eye issue, um in other words if if the bird is um not seeing well or blind in one eye, uh, she may have a tendency to go to one side or the other. Uh, it could be certainly a neurological issue. Um, I'd be interested in knowing if the bird is up to speed as far as its weight is concerned. Is it, you know, is it a runt? Is it uh, uh, undersized? Um, you know, or any of those things uh, it would concern me. I'd want to know those things. Uh, but um, you know, if if he suspects that it's a neurological thing, I would start out with. Um, uh, 181 milligram aspirin. He said a chick didn't actually give us a size on it, so we're going to assume it's real small. So uh, an 81 milligram uh, uh, aspirin uh, at least once a day uh, and see if that makes any kind of, of, uh, of difference uh, to it. Um, I would look in the ears, see if there's anything growing in the ears, although I doubt it at, uh, at the chick stage. Uh, 
but it might be just a neurological problem. It might not be fixable. Uh, it could be something from too high a temperature uh, or something like that when a bird was, uh, uh, you know, being hatched. So um, not a whole lot of information there, but, I mean, there's some things that certainly the person, a person could look at, um, you know, and uh, uh, sometimes there, you know, I said this before, and I only say it because uh, I've run into some situations uh, recently where um, birds were necropsied by competent uh, avian veterinarians uh, who are poultry veterinarians and, um, uh, you know, no definitive diagnosis, although symptomology was there, it didn't point to any one thing. Um, and uh, at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's uh, tough to make a diagnosis if you don't have enough uh, information. Um, and even even in those cases, sometimes sometimes there is no answer that you can you know, readily grab a hold of, and those things drive me buggy because I'm I'm a, I'm a person that looks for the answer. So uh, it it can uh, cause me to uh, stay up later at night than I'd like to sometimes. Understand that. All right, Peter. No worries there. We're going to go to a uh, commercial break, folks, and we'll come back with Peter Brown, also known as the Chicken Doctor, founder of FirstStateVetSupply.com, and. Uh, We've got a lot more questions we're going to answer here over the next 35, uh, 40 minutes, so uh, stay with us. We'll be back right after this commercial break. When you need an incubator, think Brency, the incubation specialist. Brency has been a world-leading manufacturer of incubators for over 30 years. Incubators from 7 to 380 eggs with high-quality electronic and digital controls, including precise humidity control and programmable egg turning all at surprisingly affordable prices. Visit them online at Brincy.com. Brincy spelled B-R-I-N-S-E-A. That's Brincy.com or call 1-888-667-7009. Enter the coupon code WHISPER at checkout and save 10% on their incubators, brooders, egg candlers, and other incubation accessories. When you need an incubator, think Brincy, technology you can trust. Pictures of chickens on aprons are common across America, but picture a chicken wearing an apron and you'll probably get a good chuckle. Laugh if you must, but nothing protects hens better than the Hen Saver Hen Apron. Hen Saver Hen Aprons protect your hens from the damage caused by an overly affectionate rooster and may even provide protection from an unexpected hawk attack. Hen Savers come in several different sizes to fit both bantam and standard sized hens and roosters. Colors include camo, denim, navy, brown, khaki or black, and soon pink. Crazy K Farm is expanding its already colorful hen saver collection to include the color pink. A portion of their sales will be donated to organizations that fund breast cancer research and awareness. Order your hen saver aprons today at hensaver.com. That's hensaver.com. Ideal Poultry has been a family-owned and operated business since 1937. Their business is built on customer service and quality poultry. From rare white and brown egg layers to broilers, ducks, turkeys, and bantams, Ideal Poultry is the largest supplier of backyard poultry in the United States, shipping close to 5 million chicks annually. Visit them online at IdealPoultry.com. 
That's IdealPoultry.com. Ware Manufacturing has been building quality hutches since 1983. Ware manufactures modern chicken hutches, barns, pens, and nest boxes designed especially for the backyard flock. Ware offers hutches and pens for every yard size and every chicken keeper's budget. Visit their website at waremfginc.com. That's W-A-R-E-M-F-G-I-N-C.com. Or call them to find a retailer near you at 1-888-824-7257. Ware Manufacturing. How would you like a punch in the beak? Actually, in reality, I am Super Chicken. Alrighty, thank you very much for staying with us today on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisper. Yesterday, we had posted on our Facebook page that uh, Peter Brown, also known as the Chicken Doctor, would be joining us today and answering uh, your questions if you posted them. So we've got uh, over on our Facebook page, uh, many folks uh, posted some questions, so we're going to get back over there and and head down those. Again, uh, we normally can't get to all of them. We normally don't, but uh, we get as many as we can. So welcome back, Peter. Oh, yeah. Yep. I'm ready. Let's see. Let me mark that one down as we covered it. And uh, let's see. Okay, here's kind of a a lot of information to really ask kind of a a more simple question. Uh, let 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 me ask the initial question here is, can a chicken just be infertile? That's what it gets down to, but here we go. I have a brown sex-linked chicken that is 14 months old. She laid two very small soft-shell eggs when she was seven to eight months old. Then she had her tail feathers torn off by a coyote attack a month later. I thought she would take some time to recover, but about a month later she laid a small, hard-shelled egg. I thought we were on our way now. That was six months ago, and she hasn't laid an egg since. She sits in the coop every day like she is laying on an egg, but to no avail. She is very active, running around the backyard, and eats well. Her poop is normal for the most part. Once in a while, it's a little watery. I only have two chickens, and the other one is an orange sex link, and she lays daily. Can a chicken just be infertile? Well, I think the easy answer to that question is certainly. Um, right. You know, the um, again, this goes back to uh, the, there was an, an abnormality um, back when the birds started laying soft-shelled eggs. That's the clue right in the beginning that there's there's trouble on the on the horizon here. Whether that in it, in and of itself is related to the um, uh, absence of egg laying, uh, you know, that's going to be anybody's guess. But generally, um, and we've been down this road before with explaining it, but generally it's it's a hormonal uh, situation where the uh, hormones will uh, kick in to make the bird uh, uh, kick into uh, laying egg production, and obviously this one is is, is not uh, getting that message. And uh, uh, she may be one of those birds that, for whatever reason, um, her her body is uh, sending out the wrong hormones, which are preventing her from from laying eggs. 
Um, I don't know. Uh, that's just one of those things. Here we go again. This is what I was saying before. It's something that you can assume a whole lot, but you'll never know the exact answer to this. Um, uh, you know, I, I don't know what the birds are eating. Um, we've also been down that road before with birds that don't lay and, and so on. Um, this bird may, this particular bird um, may require different uh, supplementation uh, than, than the bird that's sitting next to it laying one egg after another. Um, has to do with uh, how those uh, nutrients are absorbed from the food. That's a possibility. Has to do with what the bird is eating. Uh, eating well and eating nutritionally well are two totally different things, both on the human side and on the animal chicken side. So um, the answer is, is, a, is, a, is a tough answer to, to really come up with a, a uh, uh, definitive answer that's going to say, aha, this is it right here and this is the problem. Um, but the, the laying of the soft-shelled eggs in the beginning uh, led us to believe right off the bat that there was a, a calcium uh, phosphorus uh, imbalance uh, and possibly even vitamin D3. This, again, is, is one of those things where if there's vitamin D3 missing and there's enough calcium and phosphorus there, we're still going to get a soft-shelled egg. If there's enough D3 and there's not enough calcium, we're still going to get a soft-shelled egg. If there's enough calcium and enough D3 and not enough phosphorus, we're going to get a soft-shelled egg. Unless they all come together at the same time in the proper quantities, we're going to have these kinds of, of abnormalities. And now why, uh, the, um, why the bird has gone back to you know, uh, uh, not laying again, uh, um, I can only assume that the, the hormone inhibin, which uh, is slowly excreted uh, in the bird's body, uh, from the day they start laying eggs, very, very small amounts of it are, are, uh, uh, are excreted in the bird's body, which eventually enough of it will be excreted over the time period that a bird is, is going to lay eggs and shut off egg production. So uh, given what information I have, not seeing the bird, and even seeing the bird probably wouldn't be able to tell a whole lot um, uh, other than uh, you know, examine the bird to see if it is even close to uh, being in a position to uh, to lay eggs, uh, a moist vent, um, a, um, uh, a two finger distance between the pubic bones in the back, right under the vent, um, uh, you know, and examining the bird in, in that fashion to try to see if at least those parameters are in place. Uh, but more than likely, just you know, probably one of those odd things, hormonal imbalance, um, and this person was just lucky enough to get one of those birds. I don't see any other way around it. Light stimulation this time of the year, um, you know, they, they should be lame, but maybe they're not everyday layers either, you know. Um, hard, hard to really put your finger on it, but I would look at, um, I would look at supplementation with uh, uh, some vitamin compounds and that kind of thing and see if you can't... Uh, push the egg production a little bit. It's, it's possible. We've done it before on this show um, numerous times. Um, and um, it might be just one of those things that genetically the bird cannot absorb everything that it needs out of the best feed that you can feed it. So you just have to right. keep playing with it until you find something that works. Okay. Uh, Peter, if you have access to your email, I just sent you over a picture that I would love uh, to address. So I'm going to... Um Go down and see if there's another question we'll have next. But if you can open up your email, um, let me see here who it was. Let me get back over here to the question as well. 
Okay, I'm looking at go. the chicken butt deal here. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, this kind of swollen. There any question about that? Yeah. Directly under under the vent. Hmm. Without surely, I'm just going to go. I always start at the very basic, and so I'm like, surely they know what pasty butt is and to have to clear that and have to wipe the butt. This hasn't been a pasty butt issue that's been going on for many, many days, if not weeks. And it's and it's just a plugged up pasty butt issue that's turned into this. Um, I'm guessing we try to rule that out first and then go to the next cause. But that's the first thing that comes to my mind if I'm starting basics is... Um, and Megan says, my parents sent me this pic of their uh, Americana chick what's going on. That, that's all we've got. And so you would, you, I would yeah. ask them, well, they do know that, you know, pay, what pasty butt is, how to deal with that, that they need to clear that vent area so they can poop. They may not even know that. Um, and so there could be a pasty butt issue, and this thing is just clogged back up for many days. Of yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna go out on a limb here because I, I don't have any other place to go with this. But uh, right. just looking at this picture, uh, that uh, area from uh, you know directly under the, the vent on down to the keel bone uh, is okay. quite swollen. Um, yeah. It 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 looks to me uh, at least this is the direction I would go in, right or wrong, could be who knows. Uh, this may be a, uh, a retained uh, egg yolk. This may be one of those situations where the um, uh, the egg yolk didn't. Uh, absorb all the way through the intestine, and then you know you get this you know peritonitis type of thing. I'd be surprised if that bird you know survives. Um, but I, I you know the, the person holding it, all they have to really do is to gently just squeeze the sides and see if the bird will defecate. I would definitely try that. Uh, sometimes that's all it takes. Um, and then the, you know, but it doesn't doesn't look healthy. That's for sure. And for, and for those yep. that are, are listening, because we're looking at the picture, for those that are listening, this is a bird that uh, appears to be um, maybe a couple of weeks old, not much more than that. Uh, it's not fully feathered out to punch it down on the belly and, and places. So uh, the uh, from the vent opening down to the beginning of the keel bone is extremely swollen on the back end, not, not the no vent feathers. itself, which indicates to me that whatever the swelling is is internal in the body cavity. Yeah. Um, you know, it's not directly in the vent. This is to me more uh, widespread than just the vent itself. So um, I'm going to opt for a retained yolk sac that has not properly absorbed uh, into the intestine, and whether the bird makes it or not, it's probably less than 50-50. So I would definitely, you know, put pressure on the sides of the bird, just like she's holding it, and just, just gently squeeze it a little bit, maybe put a little pressure uh, on the abdomen from the keel bone uh, and see if you can't uh, get something out of it, but I'm not sure that's going to work. Hmm. I'm not even sure okay. an antibiotic would help. Because I've enlarged it as large as I can get it, and that's... that's I mean, the skin isn't even pink anymore there. It's pink above right, it, right. above where the oil gland would be up there. But down at the bottom, it's, it's uh, hmm. Well, that's what I would do anyway. And 
I don't think that um, I don't think an antibiotic is going to be in the future of that one. Right. Okay. Limited information. So uh, we uh, here did what did what he could. Thank you, Megan, for partic uh, participating and uh, posting that picture. Yeah, okay. good clear picture uh, too. About ten, ten, ten more minutes here. Let's see. We got uh, Ellen. Uh, hello. Thank you for this opportunity. I have an eight-month-old Americana pullet that has a hard crop. She is otherwise happy, eating, drinking, and moving about the coop and yard with her friends. I am giving apple cider vinegar in her drinking water. I also have a salmon favorel pullet, seven months old, with a hard crop. Same thing, happy, eating, drinking, happily moving about with her friends. She is also getting apple cider vinegar. I also supply grit for them in a pan in the coop. They are eating layer pellets along with cracked corn as it's been extremely cold here in the upper peninsula. As it begins to warm up, I will stop feeding the cracked corn. Still down to 26 at night. Uh, they are occasionally... Um, are, are they occasionally supposed to have a crop that is hard? How long is it supposed to stay that way? Uh, what do I do if it stays that way too long? Both of them are laying eggs. So a hard crop, Peter. Well, number one, hard crop is not normal. That's that's the first part of the answer to your question. Um, it shouldn't stay long at all. Uh, that's the second part of it. And then um, just because they're running around fat, dumb, and happy uh, doesn't mean that this is a, a, a good thing. This is a potential um, life-threatening problem if it isn't corrected in some way, shape, or form. I'm assuming from what she was saying that these uh, upper peninsula, she's probably in Michigan, that's my guess, uh, a youper. And uh, she, um, I'm assuming they're free range. Uh, I don't know if she said that or not, but I'm, I'm going to assume it from, from, from what we're looking at. My guess is I have a semi-impacted crop that if it's not uh, you know, dealt with in some way, shape, or form, it's going to end up um, becoming completely uh, uh, crop-bound, and then uh, and a, you know a bigger problem will, will come along. Um, I um, if they <clears throat> sometimes you'll see birds overconsume grit. Um, so if the, if these birds were mine, the first thing I think I would do. Uh, and the easiest time to do it is in the evening when they go to roost, so we don't have to chase them around and, and deal with a whole bunch of wing flapping and stuff. And uh, pick them up off the roost and uh, take that crop and really feel it and try to get a feel for what is in it. What is it that's hard? What have they eaten? If the, so I'm assuming the free-ranging, the free-ranging run around eating grass, this, that, and the other thing, uh, even bugs. Uh, we've been through this before with uh, uh, grasshoppers and, and crickets. Um, the, those body parts don't necessarily move through the uh, the crop uh, very easily, so um, I, I would I would certainly take a look at it and try to get a feel for what's in there, and then I would massage that crop in an attempt to break up that wad of whatever it is. Um, I think that's the only thing you can do at at this point, but the crop should not be hard at all. Period. It's a it's a uh, it's just an elastic bag that's a holding tank for food. And um, so what I would want to know, and I don't think she really said it was hard all day, all night, or is it just, you know, after they're, they're eating, the crop is going to, you know, be relatively hard. 
uh, eating corn and, and laying pellets and whatever else they're, they're going to consume. Uh, I want to know what that crop looks like first crack out of the box when she comes out in the morning, opens the coop up. Uh, what does that crop look like then? If it's, if it's still hard, then there, then there is a problem. There's, there's food or, or something that they've eaten that's in that crop that doesn't want to pass through, and she's got to figure that out and how she's going to get it out of there. And the first way you're going to do that is start by massaging the crop by taking that wad and just squeezing it uh, pretty much as hard as you can to try to break it up and see if you can't move it out. And if she has difficulty doing any of that, she can reach me at uh, chickendr at firststatevetsupply.com, and we can discuss it and see if we can't get it straightened out. But I wouldn't leave it there. Because also what, what can happen with that is if you start leaving stuff in the crop, it starts to rot. And you start getting, you know, other issues that start coming along uh, with that can cause a bird to become what we call pendulous crop, uh, pushing the crop out over the end of the uh, of the uh, uh, clavicle, uh, which you would know as the wishbone, and then so that any material that that is outside of that area in in the crop it sits there and it won't move, uh, and the crop stays outside of that. Uh, so you don't want to get a, get in a situation, uh, you know, like that. Um, and um, but that's that's how I would go about it. I, 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 a little bit more information would have been would have been helpful. We had a lot, but not necessarily all the things we really needed to know. Um, but if, like I said, if she wants to get a hold of me, I'd, I'd be glad to try to help her get through this. Very good. Yep. Chicken Dr. Chicken Dr. At First State Supply dot com. Very good. Okay, let me scroll up here and see where we were at working our way down here. Okay, here's a good one. If I put grub killer, if I put grub killer on the lawn, will the chicken eat the dead grubs that come up out of the ground and die? Will it hurt my chickens? They run loose in the yard, and uh, will they eat fertilizer if I put it down on the yard? Um, I, 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 I would not uh, venture to do these things. Um, I would look for a more natural approach um, to uh, killing off the grubs. As far as fertilizer is concerned, sure they'll eat it. Um, you know, they're going to peck around, dig around, and they're going to get some of it, like it or not. Um, whether or not they'll get enough to be toxic, I can't say that either. But I would take a different approach. Chemicals and chickens just do not mix. Um, and and and. and uh we know that chickens will eat just about anything. Ask anybody that's done necropsy on many nuts <laughs> and screws and bolts and, and, and styrofoam and... Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. String. Yeah. String, banana peel. Yeah. I've seen all kinds of stuff. But uh, no, I, I, um, I would not take that chance if the birds were mine. Uh, we have a grub issue here, not that we've got any kind of great lawn. I call it the weed patch <coughs> because it's about, it's about what it is. And... Uh, uh, you know, we're we're going to be looking into non-chemical methods to get rid of them. Uh, they don't; they're not necessarily in the pen where the birds are, but they are in other areas. And um, we're we're not going to go the chemical route at all, and not because we're against chemicals. I don't want uh, I don't want the dog exposed to any of that stuff, and I don't want you know I don't want the chickens exposed to it either. So I, I just don't think it's a good idea. Uh, I think I would look. I think if they if they got a hold of their ag extension agent wherever they live, 
uh, and discuss their situation with that person. I'm sure they could uh, devise a methodology to get rid of the grubs without harming the chickens. Uh, fertilizer, um, again, I'm, I'm not a big fan of, uh, of uh, chemicals in chickens. I don't know what to tell them there. All right, well, that's no problem. All righty, we'll, uh, we'll probably wrap it up with there, Peter. I'll call you off uh, the air to see if maybe there's another day this week you can come on and we can finish these up. We had about 37 people post questions, and you just never know what you're going to get. And um, But we, uh, we'll we try to maybe have another show this week. I know that uh, tomorrow is the last day of our big chicken coop contest for April, and we'll be giving that away on Wednesday. And so I haven't looked at uh, programming for this week yet, but I'll, I'll get with you off air to see if we can maybe fit in another day this week with you, and we can finish yeah. up maybe the rest of these uh, the rest of these questions. We didn't have yeah, to, I'd like to just, do that. Uh, I enjoy a, a little it. delay. We had a little delay today with uh, some technical issues, um, and so we were late getting started for 30 minutes. So it's already 1:30, so I've got to let uh, uh, let Peter run. But I'll call you off air to see if we can't get you back on here uh, later okay. in the week and finish up these for people who were graciously enough to post their question. Yep, I look forward to it. That'll be awesome. Hey, thanks so much. Lots of great information, uh, as always. And he joins us every Monday, and sometimes even uh, uh, more than that. And so just like this week, we'll try to have him back. So, Peter, thank you very much for joining us today, my friend. My pleasure. Talk to you later. Yes, sir. Thank you. Very good. All righty. Hey, I've got a uh, one that I'm going to talk about here, uh, very interesting, and we, you know, it's a part of our kind of our blog busters, if you will, and I'm trying to get some more information out of the uh, the young lady, but uh, just I'm going to give this and use this as, a, as an example here. Um, let me scroll down here. In the questions, somebody posted about uh, internal parasites and, and worms, just generally speaking, and we'll uh, cover that question uh, later in the week when we get Peter back on, but let me find it here. Somebody had posted... Here we go. Regarding somebody with their internal parasites and worms in their chickens. So this person put, vinegar is supposed to take care of all parasites and help them stay disease-free. I put it in my chicken's water every time I change it. So far, I haven't had any problems. About two tablespoons per gallon, I use apple cider vinegar. So this person, again, vinegar is supposed to take care of all parasites and help make them disease-free. I've also put it in my chicken's water, apple cider vinegar, that is, and I don't have any problems at all. So my response to her last night was this. Really? Where did you read that? Have you ever had a fecal flotation test completed on your chicken's? This is a topic we frequently cover during my Blogbuster segment. And I noticed she had replied, um, my information came from Backyard Chicken's website, and my chickens are very healthy. So again, I have to warn everybody, regardless of what blogger forum it is, there is a tremendous amount of bad information on them. I guarantee it that could cause possibly to your chickens just because somebody posted it and it may or may not be working with them. Here's a perfect example. I asked her again. I will ask again. Have you ever had your vet complete a fecal flotation test on your chickens? And if the answer is no, then I will ask her, how does she know it's even working? 
she just looks at her chickens out in the pen. Oh, they are healthy. They don't have worms. Really? You've never had them tested for worms. You're just telling everybody on this forum that apple cider vinegar works and, and, and kills all parasites and keeps all your birds healthy. And how do you know that? Well, because you're using it and your birds seem to be healthy. But you've never had your chickens tested for nothing. They could be walking around with microplasma or anything else, I mean, and, and be full of worms, um, or maybe a few worms, and they're dealing with it. They haven't started losing weight. But, but she has no proof of, of the issue here. That, that's it. That, so uh, we have a, a, a blog buster segment when we, do our, when we travel around the country and do our workshops, and people love it um, because it's almost like using common sense. But uh, it's playing out here on my Facebook page as, uh, as we speak. So hopefully I'll hear back from her to see if she's ever had her chickens tested for anything, let alone had a fecal flotation test to know if she even has worms or not. And if she never has, she's telling people that basically her chickens don't have worms because she uses apple cider vinegar. So, so just, again, buyer beware, you know, when you're visiting these blogs and forums. Uh, you know, some of your best four words are show me the proof. You know, ask them, how, how, how do you come to this conclusion? So I ask, where did you find this information? On a chicken forum. Do you realize how many times Peter Brown, the chicken doctor, myself, Dr. McRae, poultry scientist, PhD, and every other uh, poultry vet we've had on here, have had to uh, correct information that's found on bad information that's found on blogs and forums. Do you realize, I asked a poultry vet one day, how many chickens are dead because of information that people find and use on blogs and forums? And without a doubt, with no hesitation, she said thousands. So um, I just, because it's uh, relevant, because it happened uh, last night and today, uh, and I'm still inter interacting with this uh, young lady to see if she's ever even had her birds tested. Um, uh, otherwise, again, it kind of creates that vicious cycle over and over and over again. Now she's posting it here. Oh, uh, uh, vinegar is supposed to prevent and cure and, uh, all, and kill all par parasites. There's how we get it started, folks. Um, and there's the difference you'll see between my magazine and other magazines as well. So. I'll end it with that. <laughs> Thank you very much for tuning in today. Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisper. Again, I will keep you uh, advised on Facebook and Twitter uh, about the upcoming shows this week when we can have Peter Brown and the Chicken Doctor back on to finish these uh, questions uh, that people graciously posted. We want to try to get as many answered as we possibly can. And uh, we're also giving away an awesome chicken coop uh, this Wednesday with ExtremeCoops.com. Uh, all fiberglass chicken coop, easy to clean, easy to disinfect when it's time to, to do. It's lighter in weight than some of the wood ones. So uh, take a look on our Facebook page. If you have not already entered, we would love for you to do so. And we also have another chicken coop contest going on right now in our magazine, another beautiful coop. And uh, so two chances to win there. But uh, the contest, I believe, ends tomorrow night uh, at 11.59 p.m. for our Facebook contest for the April um, and then we'll give the coop away on Wednesday. We'll notify the winner live on the radio show Wednesday. So exciting week coming up this week. We're so glad you could tune in today. And uh, follow our Facebook page, and we'll let you know when Peter's going to be back this week. We know we're giving away the coop away on Wednesday. We'll probably have extreme coops on the radio show to tell us about the coop we're giving away. Uh, but we should have a full lineup this week. So uh, make sure you tune in every day, 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, right here 
on Blog Talk Radio. God bless everybody. Now, if I could just find the right button on the switchboard to push. <laughs> Have a great day. Thank <laughs> you.